Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, where today we're speaking to Rosie Meredith of Voxley Digital about two studies that they've conducted recently looking at Alexa usage in the home during COVID and how families are engaging with Alexa right now. This episode is sponsored by Project Voice Catalyst. Now if you work in the voice industry, if you're an agency or freelancer or anyone who's looking to add value to potential clients and meet companies that might require your services, then check out Project Voice Catalyst. It's put together by Bradley Metrock of Score Publishing. You'll know Bradley from This Week in Voice, the podcast network, uh, Voice First FM, and the Alexa Conference, which is now the Project Voice Conference, uh, if you've been there in January in Chattanooga. And essentially, it is a service that is connecting people that require conversational AI voice technology services with those that can offer them, and vice versa. And so if that sounds like it'll be interesting for you, which I imagine it will be, then just email ray at scorepublishing.us. That's R-A-Y at scorepublishing.us. It's a bit cryptic. It's a little bit kind of like speakeasy style. They don't have a website right now. You've got to get in touch with them direct, which I quite like. It's quite uh, It's quite nice. So check out Project Voice Catalyst and thank you for sponsoring this month on VUX World. Now, without further ado, this is Rosie Meredith of Voxley Digital on VUX World. It looks like we're live. So. It looks like we're live. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, hey, welcome, hello. welcome. How are we today? Dustin, how's it going? Going okay. Going okay. Just like yesterday, still, still moving, still packing stuff yeah. up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going good. I put the... Tore the uh, tore the bed down yesterday, so I put a mattress on the floor, like twenty one year old guy again. Uh, so, so uh, that was fun. But, yeah, everything's going well. How about how about you, Kane? How's it going? Very well. No, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Delighted to be joined by Rosie Meredith of Voxley Digital. Rosie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So, how's your lockdown going, Rosie? Yeah, it's going okay. I feel like I haven't completed the lockdown bingo of uh, becoming a yoga instructor and learning eight languages, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah, not going too stir crazy. Looking nice. forward to the sunshine this weekend so I can actually leave the house though. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at your books at the uh, at the back there. We were just saying beforehand that my uh, my kind of lockdown resolution was to read more books. I'm so far halfway through one after six months. <laughs> I, I haven't picked it up for for uh, about three weeks. So it hasn't, it's not been going too great. <laughs> yeah. The internet is full of information, Kane. Just start somewhere. <laughs> that, that's what it is. I'm consuming the internet every day. So there you go. Any any, any of your uh, lockdown res- resolutions, Dustin? Uh, I don't think I really had any. I uh, I wanted to, this has been a resolution for a couple of years now. I wanted to learn how to tie some knots. So I actually did because I also wanted, I was like, I need to work out. Like, so I, um, created sort of like a semi like prison workouts, uh, where I took some milk bottles and like filled them up with water, tied a rope around it. So like I lifted up. So that was about the closest I ever got to that. Amazing. Innovation. I love it. That's class. I also took up running. Don't know whether I told you that. Yeah. So about four weeks ago, I went for a run on Monday, Tuesday and a Wednesday. And I haven't been since. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do a couch to 5K? That's what I tried. Uh, And I made it to week four. Did you? So did you get to 5K? No, there's nine weeks in the program. <laughs> nine weeks, well, that's better than me. I did three weeks running, I think. That's pretty much it. Uh, so, yeah, looks like we've got some people joining us. Stefan Massey is joining us. Hello, Stefan. James Paul has joined as well. Afternoon, James. How do, how do? Uh, yeah, so here we go. So I think what we're going to do uh, today, Rosie, uh, Voxley have published some 
interesting studies over the last couple of weeks. Um, well, I say probably about four weeks, maybe something like that. And uh, we're going to get into that. I've been referencing them uh, in in talks and in presentations and everything. So they've are been really, I have, yeah, they've been really, really valuable uh, to me. Um, so yeah, so we're going to get into that. But first of all, Rosie, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and give us a little bit of an overview of of what your role is as head of innovation strategy at Voxley and a little bit about Voxley as well? Yeah, of course, no problem. So hello, everyone. Um, my name is Rosie. Um, as Kane said, I'm the head of innovation strategy at Voxley Digital. Um, so basically, my role is to guide the strategic development of the um, projects that we build for our clients. Um, and a um, bit about Voxley. So we are Europe's leading voice tech agency. So we, we basically help brands navigate the voice first world primarily by building um, voice apps on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Um, we've been around for about three years now, um, which is bizarrely old in the voice world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, we've been really lucky enough to work with um, a lot of really big global brands. So we support um, things like um, Recipedia for Unilever. Um, we've worked a lot with uh, Diageo, Maybelline, Match J, GSK, um, big, big uh, household names, which has been great fun. Um, and we're sort of end-to-end um, voice development agency. So we... Um, work across kind of the, the strategy, which is the think, uh, the build, and then the kind of in-life support, the run at the end. Uh, so we've got normally, normally I'd say an in-house team of experts, but now a isolated at, at home, team An at-home team of experts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Station not in Paddington, but our kitchen tables um, across sort of strategy, UX development, uh, and then kind of coding development. So um, we're about 10 right now and, um, and looking to keep growing. Cool. And head of innovation strategy, is is that head of innovation strategy for Voxley, as in your head of Voxley Digital's innovation strategy, or your head of innovation strategy for Voxley clients, as in you lead the innovation strategy for the clients? Is it on behalf oh, of Voxley question. going to market or is it on behalf of the clients? Good question. Uh, both, I suppose. Um, yeah, I will typically come and work with clients at the kind of upfront think product development stage. Um, so um, things like doing this research and being able to draw on some really good insights to actually guide um, voice app uh, proposition development um, is uh, and kind of better reviews and insights and um, bringing in creative concepts is a lot of uh, what I do. But um, also kind of being the, I mean, the whole team is, is, you know, it's such an emerging area. The whole team is very kind of future facing and making sure that we're innovating and currently, you know, always looking at new features and things like that. But um, I suppose also part of my role is to kind of spearhead that internally as well. Cool. So we're used to seeing uh, studies from like eMarketer and VoiceBot and, and things like that. And it's kind of a little bit unusual for a, for a voice specialist agency to be conducting that kind of research. So do you want to give us a little bit of a, we'll get into the research and into the findings, but yeah. do you want to give us a bit of a, an overview of where it came from? Like what, what kind of, where did it come from? Why, why did you do it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I think, like I said, we sort of work across the whole end-to-end process. So especially um, over the last year or so, we've been trying to develop our strategic offering in that think stage. And what we were finding is that although we're very um, kind of evidence and analytics driven when it comes to once we've launched a voice app and we tag it all out with Google Analytics and we optimize it based on evidence, 
we were finding that a lot of the time that upfront uh, proposition development, we were relying on evidence, um, like you mentioned, came up from VoiceBot, which, um, and Brett and the team there do a brilliant job, but understandably it's quite US focused, a lot of the insights. Um, so we wanted to really kind of um, do our own research really and hear from UK specific um, voice owners. Um, and then the other thing, we, we saw a bit of a shift and this is, um, we'll come on to it, but why we launched specifically one of the surveys is, um, so we launched two surveys, one for, about families um, and one about the impact of coronavirus more generally on um, voice assistant usage. And uh, we started looking at the family one because we um, recently launched a voice app called uh, Match the Day magazine, which mm. has done really well. It's kind of a trivia, footy trivia game skill. Um, Good example of uh, APL going on in there as well. I'll give that yes, a shout out. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun one, actually. And there's lots of great kind of recorded audio and um, um, Paz and Catch, the guys who do it, kind of this lovely back and forth. So it's, um, it was really good. And we launched it and the, the popularity was massive really quickly. And it got us thinking, okay, what are the use cases specifically with families that we have tapped into there? And, you know, what are the kind of consumption behaviors? So we wanted to look at families. And then of course, as soon as lockdown happened, we, um, understandably, I think, and not surprisingly saw this massive spike of traffic pretty much to all our skills. Some of them had, like 300% increase in traffic overnight, just purely because everyone's at home more. Mm -hmm. So we thought there was something there and we wanted to investigate it a bit further. So we did these two surveys just to confuse people. We actually published them the other way around. So we did the families first and then the coronavirus one, but it felt like we wanted to get that one out uh, quick. It's a bit more relevant. Cool. We were saying just before this call, Rosie, you mentioned it started raining and I said, what did I say? Can you remember? <laughs> You can't no, remember. What, Nobody listens to me. You. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And outside, it is now raining. Literally 10 minutes later, it's raining oh. here now. I knew that would happen. Spooky. Um, yeah, so Dustin, have you, have, uh, we'll get into some of these trends. Have you noticed your behaviour towards using voice assistance change over the lockdown period over there in Paris? Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. My usage of uh, the smart speakers has decreased during the time actually yeah yeah so I mean, we'll talk about the stats but i'm definitely in the minority there but certainly uh, my wife and i are in a shared space in a smaller shared space so i actually uh, you know bought headphones and stuff because too much noises too much just speaking out loud it could could wear on each of us pretty quickly so so i'm probably in the minority where mine has actually decreased what about yours kane i think it's probably uh only increased because i'm around it more hmm. um so I, I don't know whether I'm, I, I don't, I'm not convinced I'm using it for entirely different things. My phone and my laptop and the stuff I am, I dictate a lot more emails, stuff like that. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm using it more because I'm around it more. But yeah, what about you, Rosie? Has your, your usage gone up, gone down, stayed the same? What do you reckon? Yeah, it's, it's gone up. I mean, it's always a funny question to ask, isn't it, when you work in voice tech, because I feel like it's... <laughs> the, the, more, the more work you do, the more you use them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've been using it all the time. Um, no, uh, it's gone up in terms of... Uh, a use case I think will come on to quite a lot, which is sort of the entertainment side of things. We um, bought a Chromecast and connected it up to our Google Home. So the world of voice activated Netflix binging has been opened up and yeah, we've been taking full advantage. Nice, <laughs> nice. Classic. So okay then, let's let's delve into this let's delve into the study then. So there's two studies. There's Time to Shine, Alexa getting the UK through isolation, and Alexa being part of the family now. So these are two separate studies, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Conducted at separate times. Them, 
Yeah, we we did the surveys about a month um, apart, so they do look at slightly different um, slightly different demographics. The family one is very specifically targeted to people with kids in the household under eighteen, because mm-hmm. that's kind of an area we were interested in. And then the other one is much more general, um, kind of voice users, voice assistant users in the UK. Mm-hmm. But both of them were um, kind of equally demographically proportionate um, to kind of the age split normally um, of voice assistant users, um, but very UK focused so yeah cool and what is out of the out of the one because given that we started talking about covid um mm-hmm. there's been a couple of uh a couple of things around covid and, and voice assistant usage and things like that and, and it's always interesting to find the source and the first party kind of information so what is it do you and smart speakers in general have been rising and growing anyway and, and we kind of know that and, and every year we get reminded of how much they've grown and what the penetration is and all that kind of stuff but what do you think has you, you kind of referenced potential entertainment what do you think has kind of like changed from the studies and the behavior that we were seeing before lockdown to the usage during lockdown what are the kind of standout things that you found have, have changed yeah. Um, well, I mean, think generally speaking, the the impact of lockdown and people being in their houses more has had a massive increase in frequency and likelihood to use voice assistants to engage with them. So one of the things that came up was over 50% of people who answered the coronavirus lockdown survey said they're using it more. And 20% of those people said they're using it at least twice as more so a big boost in general to kind of engagement with the with the technology but that in turn is kind of leading to a higher engagement with the voice ecosystem in general so um what we saw from the survey at least anyway was this kind of general um a bit more kind of experimentation, a bit more discovery, kind of people proactively searching the skills store, uh, skills store trying out new things, um, discussing it with friends and family. People seem to, with the time they've had on their hands, kind of delve in a little bit more. I think we all know that with a lot of voice assistant users, you know, they might have got one for Christmas and they only use it to listen to the news and then that's it. But people have had a lot more time on their hands. So the investigation into the world has definitely been a lot higher. And then I think also what comes in line with that is people a lot more people are discovering the value of their voice systems and what they can do which means people are getting more confident about how to use them they're unlocking all this new functionality and that's sort of reframing the role of voice assistants um particularly in families but in general households as well i think um it's no longer the you know the egg the fancy egg timer setter you know it's much more um you know the the, the role is is broadening um is becoming uh, a lot more of um obviously audio streaming things like that we and we'll come on to that is, is always a big one and that's still absolutely the number one use case um but we're seeing a lot of people kind of relying on their voice systems a bit more than lockdown i think the figure was three in five people agreed that their voice system was helping them get through lockdown which is huge um you know and a lot of the reasons cited for that was that it was kind of keeping them entertained, stopping them getting bored, helping with workouts, helping with kind of mental health exercises. Um, and that's that's a big shift, I think, from um, just that, that one-way audio consumption, potentially quite functional news, questions, local information. The, the scope of their role is definitely broadening. So the survey is, uh, with the survey being a point in time, you also mentioned that you've got some stats from your clients. Are you seeing that continue? Is it a point where there's this 3x increase in, in skill traffic and that was just a one-time thing? Or as people become more confident, is that growth continuing? Oh, you mean in um, like traffic to our skills at the moment? Right, right. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there was definitely a peak. I think the first couple of weeks where people were just like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm stuck at home and what's going on. Um, big, big peak. But actually, with, especially with certain categories, um, entertainment, health and fitness. Um, so obviously everyone's been doing their, um, their Joe Wicks PE workouts. Uh, we have the body coach voice skills. So we, for example, that as a, as a good example, we've seen real continued and sustained usage, um, of those sort of use cases. I think once people discover them, um, the, the kind of likelihood to go back to them, we have a bit more time that retention is slowly, is slowly improving. So yeah, we are seeing that not just in the survey, but in our, in our actual skills as well. Interesting. One of the things that I that I liked and, and observed, and it's in line with what you were saying, and I've, I've used it. I've cut this the infographic, which we'll obviously we'll put the links in in the show notes, etc. But the infographic, which has got all the circles on it, uh, yeah. and shows the before COVID usage and the after COVID usage, um, and it, it kind of like when you when you pick out, you can pick out a few of these that are, that I think are, are relevant um, to display that increase in confidence. And one is that so before lockdown. People were using the devices to shop. 23% of people were using the devices to shop. And that was gone up by 10% to 33%. So basically, of the people that you surveyed, a third of them are using their devices to actually shop on them. And I think yeah. that, that if anything is going to show confidence, it's people willing to transact and shop. Yeah, that was a big one, actually. I was surprised. I mean, in general... In relation to a lot of the categories, the voice commerce one is still one of the lowest. But you're right, that shift from um, and and to clarify, actually, to be fair, with the survey, kind of shopping was also add to basket, not necessarily direct purchase through voice. But I do think it, you're right; it, it shows a real shift um, in in difference, and and also games and trivia and things like that. We always know that they're quite. They're quite popular use cases and there's always a lot of them um, available, lots of different kind of voice skills on the skill store. Um, but actually that that role of people going to voice assistants for for entertainment to beat the boredom um, with more time on their hands, I think people are discovering a lot more. So you know, 40% of people said that they're using their voice assistants daily for games and trivia. I mean, that, that seems huge to me. And that's kind of gone up from 20%. Um, and interestingly, we saw that in kind of kids entertainment and games as well. Um, and also that point around, um, uh, you know, with more, uh, homeschooling parents at home um people are using voice assistants for educational purposes as well so that's gone up to 64 percent of people are using voice assistants weekly to kind of basically teach kids and and be that kind of educator role so lots of different things that aren't just i think functional use cases are, are coming out of that the thing that was interesting to me on the shopping side kane i think you actually undersell it a little bit because it's 33 percent at least daily but it's also uh, if you add in the at least weekly that's 56 percent overall uh so wow. so looking to so 56 versus i think it was just over 50 percent before that so seeing some growth there but a lot of growth on the at least daily one thing though that's interesting is a lot of these categories you see a shift in how often people who are already using it are using it. So we see a shift from at least weekly to at least daily for shopping. You see it for uh, recipes and cooking a little bit as well. But then there's that stubborn like 39% for shopping that's never, that is actually the same as it was before. Yeah. Why do the two of you think that is? Is there anything that um, you're learning in your work, Razi, that uh, 
could help bring those 39% over? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. I think I think with all of the categories, we, you're right, we did see some people who are just quite stubbornly either not using skills um, and therefore are like, no, that's, that's kind of not for me. Um, or um, people who, we did see a shift in general across the categories of across the whole thing and you're right people who are quite engaged anyway you know using it one weekly have now become sort of several times a day usage just because they're around and we did see people who were kind of dabbling in the voice now moving into that you know weekly several times a week category for a lot of things um i think in shopping there's still and, and voice commerce in general there's still some way to go about um not just necessarily confidence, I think, in the, in the shopping process, but actually, you know, more brands offering that. Um, I think um, Brett and Voicebot did a good survey last year around, you know, voice commerce. And actually, although there's a lot of functionality available, not many brands are actually putting that in their skills at the moment. So that that kind of opportunity to shop um, perhaps isn't there in the sort of skills that that proportion of the audience is actually looking at. Um, but I know that Amazon particularly are doing, and Google are doing a lot to sort of make that path to purchase easier and streamline that process. So I think with shopping, it's definitely watch this space. It's coming, but it's, it's not there yet. Mm-hmm. What do you we, think, Kane? Um, yeah. I thought, so what, what was your original question, Dustin? Yeah, I think it was just a question of, we are seeing, um, Growth in people are already using it or using it more, which is definitely a good sign. But sort of across the board, uh, the group, the amount of people that are saying never or rarely doesn't seem to change per category. There's some that, that does a little bit, but largely it's the same number before as it as it was uh, after. So, and so, so what does that mean? And, and what is it? Uh, is that something that we need to tackle as skill builders? Just what are your impressions of that? That's something that stood out and if it stood out to you. So your observation is that the people that already use it are using it more, but the people that don't shop or use it for entertainment might not have started to. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the purple um, and, you know, we're describing it again, pull up the link that we're sharing. Yeah, I've got it. Uh, uh, If you look at like wellness, Never using it, 38 to 37%. Shopping, 39, 39%. Recipes and cooking, 31, 31%. So people are going from at least monthly to at least weekly and at least weekly to at least daily, but there's still those people who are are never. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that represents? What do you think that means? Interesting question that. I didn't actually look at that. I was just concerned with growth, growth, growth. Where's the growth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that is interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so maybe maybe that is is harking back to the age old discoverability issue that we've kind of been speaking about. I think that the other thing is that people are creatures of habits. And there, I remember. Did you remember the uh, the study that Shakib Labidi and Hemel Jill did? I don't know if you've seen that. Rosie. Um, essentially, this this was back in 2018. They did a study that looked at when people get a smart speaker, what does the usage pattern look like in the months after? And so what what they found was that when people get one, the level of experimentation rises. So they're experimenting with it all the time. But then they reach a, a, a barrier, essentially, which is, well, I've reached the limits of what it can do. It can't do this at the moment, so I won't try that again. Um, and, then the, and then the experimentation dips and it plateaus 
So they find out what it's capable of and then they use it for what they know it's capable of until things happen whereby someone, something like someone comes around to the house for dinner. Oh, you've got, an, you've got an echo. Oh, cool. And, and then the experimentation rises again and then they learn something about it. Oh, I didn't know you could play games on it. That's cool. Now we've got a new capability. And so that after that, your capability is raised, but you don't experiment again until another point in time. And so I wonder whether it's something, I wonder whether that model might still be kind of true in that maybe people have, are getting into habits, keeping those habits and doubling down on those habits because we're around more rather than experimenting more. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I think you're right. Although some of the stuff we um, saw was in the study was that a lot of people, I think two out of three, are finding new things to do on their voice assistant during right. lockdown. Interesting. So, um, and that kind of applies to more general functionality. It also applies to, uh, to skills. Um, and a lot of people kind of proactively searching, finding, looking for things to do, but also having a discussion with friends and family about what it can do. So exactly your point came there about, you know, talking. I think lockdown has produced that peak again. Um, certainly, and maybe, um, as you're right, said, that might be in a certain select group of people who are already quite engaged already. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there isn't much shift in, in that kind of shopping thing, but I, I do think also, um, you know, add to baskets is, is kind of a, you know, a thing that's been around for ages, but I don't think if you're discovering new skills during lockdown, the likelihood is you'll find that many, um, new skills or, um, loads, which actually offer a huge amount of voice commerce currently the, the, the kind of market isn't necessarily there. So I think even if you've discovered one or two new things to do during lockdown, that might not necessarily uh, equate to opportunities for more voice shopping. Mm. Interesting. We've got some questions coming through. Um, and if you, if you're tuning in on LinkedIn, by all means, carry on keeping the questions coming. We'll put them to Rosie and, and, uh, in a moment. So first question from Michael Novak. Shout out to Michael. Welcome, Michael. Have you asked users about levels of trust and do they believe that their voice data is processed and kept safe? Anything in there about trust levels and, and processing of data and things like that? Yeah, um, it's a good question. We didn't actually ask anything specific around um, kind of privacy and data processing. What And also, to an extent, I mean, we've got a, a slightly self-selected group of, um, you know, smart speaker users who are using them a lot. Um, but um, we did ask about confidence. And in the family study, we also asked around um, where people are having voice assistance. I think that's quite an interesting one. So in the family report, we asked where the, as a, as a household, where do you have your... Um, smart speakers specifically about smart speakers and um all the usual stuff came up you know living rooms um i think it was 63 percent of people have them in their living room 40 odd percent of people have them in their kitchen you know the communal area is fine but what really stood out to me is actually 20 percent of families are having uh, putting smart speakers in their kids bedrooms and their and the parents bedrooms and i think that to me says a lot around okay, maybe the sort of data privacy thing is becoming less front of mind for a lot of users. The other thing as well is, although we didn't ask about um, privacy and protection, we did ask around value exchange and kind of how useful people are considering their voice assistants. And especially since lockdown, we saw 40% of people basically saying, because I've been using it more, I understand and appreciate that my voice assistant is more useful. And I think a lot of the questions around data and concerns about privacy, it becomes as well a, a value exchange conversation. You know, if you're getting a huge amount of value, potentially, you know, the worry about the data you're giving away, not that it's not relevant, but it's maybe less front of mind. 
Mm. Um, so they were kind of the two things we saw around that. And then in terms of confidence of using it, that was the other thing we asked about, which is um, a lot of people are, are more confident. But um, yeah, certainly data protection specifically, we didn't ask about. I will. It's a good question, though. I'll add it to the next mm. survey. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we've got one in the uh, in the in the kids' bedroom. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head with the value exchange because that, that's always been the thing yeah. that people respond to about mobile, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the, the, the question is, well, what about my data? And the answer is, well, you, have you got a phone? And it's like, well, you did. Your phone's gathering a hell of a lot more data than your smart speaker is. But then it's always about, well, you know, the answer to that is, well, I don't really care because my phone gives me so much value that I'm right. not really that bothered if you know where I am and you know who I'm with and you know what I'm searching for because I get value out of it. And I think that maybe maybe what you're describing there might be that smart speakers in particular might be beginning to prove the value that they offer and therefore users might be a little bit more comfortable and confident. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, it remains to be said, and we will definitely ask a question next time, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, I used to work in kind of direct marketing. It was all value exchange, value exchange. If you're going to ask customers for data, you have to give them something back. And um, I think more and more voice systems are offering that. There's another question here from Stefan Massey, uh, which is an interesting one. Uh, you mentioned shopping and games, but what about watching TV on the Alexa, sh the Alexa show and a media device use cases? You were talking a little bit about um, the Chromecast earlier. Was there any uh, indication or insights around there? Yeah, actually, um, really good question. Smart home um, was one of the use cases that came out with one of the biggest kind of jumps of frequency. So um, I think as with the shopping one, if you haven't got your Philips light bulbs, you're never, you're always going to be in a rarely category. Um, but, uh, but it saw a huge usage. And I think, Kane, you'll have to remind me because you've got the figures in front of you, but I think it's sort of over 50% of people are now using their voice assistants for the smart home uses daily. So in terms of kind of controlling the home with voice systems, especially with people in the homes and lockdown more, um, the frequency of use is much higher. But we also, um, when we did the service, we asked people how they're engaging with voice um, and on what platforms. And um, I was quite surprised actually by the extent to which sort of smart TV uh, came out as, as a really high way of people interacting. So of those who had um, uh, Alexa, well, of those people who had smart TVs, people were using um, Alexa 37% of the time via their smart TV. So, and that's a lot, actually. Obviously, Amazon are doing a lot to push fire TV, but I think it's these figures suggest that that is slowly beginning to, to kind of pay off. And then again, you know, with things like the Chromecast, um, we saw 20% of people using um, using Google on their smart TV as well. So it's growing. Um, and I think today even we saw uh, a bit of a leak, didn't we, for Google's, um, new TV streaming kind of dongles. I imagine that will be voice controlled and, and that'll drive more usership as well. Yeah, much, much bigger use case. Um, in terms of sort of where people are using voice, obviously right now the house is always going to dominate. Um, but I think that when we looked at the split, we asked about uh, smart TVs, uh, home, and then kind of cars and on the go, um, which is obviously that sort of Alexa everywhere strategy that we're, we're all talking about quite a lot. Um, and certainly voice assistant TV and smart home came out as the, the next kind of most popular after home. Cars and on the go still remain a much smaller proportion. More of a, more of a, a future 
kind of potential that isn't it then I suppose yeah smart home makes sense though doesn't it because everyone's at home everyone's spending more time at home and you know the last couple of days we've been using the heating a bit more because it's temperatures just dropped and so that's terrible it's june i know yeah i know well i think we've had summer it was we had summer at the end of may i think um yeah, yeah so so as we mentioned uh if you're tuning in on linkedin i keep going like this when i say linkedin because my tablet's down here that i'm watching it on but for people who are actually watching it, it makes no sense but if you are tuning in on linkedin if you've got any other questions about the study any other questions for Rosie stick them in the comments uh, and we'll do our very best to get around to them uh, the second any any other in, any other insights on that first study before we move on to the second one Rosie that you think we haven't covered and that you want to kind of highlight um, COVID lockdown behaviour yeah lockdown behaviour I think I think that's kind of covered it really. I mean, interesting, both of the um, both of the surveys kind of highlighted across the two quite similar things in terms mm. of this broadening role of voice assistants in the home. So, um, you know, that, that kind of entertainment, uh, news and audio streaming, things like that. Um, interestingly, although family engagement and the way that families specifically use a voice gave us some other interesting insights because we asked different things. Um, that kind of broad shift in categories and the importance of things like, you know, entertainment and maybe kind of potentially softer use, use cases, um, they're really high across both. So yeah, they're, they're interesting reports to look side by side, actually. Um, things like, um, you know, we, we found in the uh, coronavirus report that p- people say they'll use, they'll probably predict they'll use their voice system 40% more in the future, for example. Um, the fact when we asked the same question of families a month earlier, they said 30%. So, you know, similar kind of areas um, uh, are being considered the same. And I think that um, the impact of lockdown has only just slightly exacerbated that those trends we were already beginning to see. Interesting. In, in the, in the second study you you delve into a lot more about like family usage and and you know do they use it together do families use it with the kids and things like that how confident are they, are you and things um but you also asked quite a lot of questions around like what's important from the perspective of actually building and launching voice applications so there's things in here around, you know, what's more important? Is it like a brand that we recognize and trust? Do we care mm. about ratings and reviews? Do we care, you know, so let's just, let's just kind of, I mean, all of this stuff is important actually, judging by, okay. uh, judging by the responses. Um, and I'll go through them and then, and then we can kind of get into what, how you kind of interpret it. So you asked the question, what is important to families using voice apps? So, so presumably this is third party stuff, not, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. We, we asked a whole load of kind of general voice assistant ones, but then we really wanted to drill down into that kind of third party behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before we actually get onto that then on the third party stuff, um, was there a, and I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but was there a kind of number in terms of the percentage or number of people who use third party stuff versus first party stuff in there? Or, or were you kind of assuming that, that they kind of do? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't think we included it in the report, but it was a huge amount of users. One of the things we asked very early on, we should actually put that in there, Kate. That's a very good point. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, <laughs> uh, it was about 85% of the people who we said, do you use uh, Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant? Yes. Mm. Do you use skills? Yes. Okay. So really, really high proportion. I mean, obviously a lot of that is going to be those um those uh, less interactive formats, you know, those audio out kind of BBC news, Spotify, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, broadly speaking, it was a, it was a big proportion actually. 
Okay. So one other question, yeah, oh, just real quick. One of the questions that a lot of people have is whether users even know that they're using skills. So it, it seems like in your, in your research that people actually know what a skill is and they know if they're using it. Yeah, I mean, we were very clear, and it's hard when you write those survey questions because you have to be like, it's a, we're talking about third parties, here are some examples, you know, do you get it? Um, so we worked really hard actually on that kind of, that research stimulus to make sure we were getting people say the right thing. And, and you're right, maybe that extra 15% actually did use Spotify, didn't realize. Um, but actually, more generally, we've been doing some research um, for uh, a client at the moment, and we were asking around um language to do with account linking and we said you know have you heard of account linking do you know what it is and the results were massive I mean, 70 80 percent of people said, yeah i know account linking i know how it works i get that um and we we weren't expecting that because i think we thought exactly as you thought Dustin, that it was going to be people don't quite get that it seems to be changing a bit so that's positive i think hmm We've got a question from Gavin Fletcher, which I'm going to come on to in one moment, Gavin. Thank you for tuning in and have a campuchu on me next time I see you. Uh, <laughs> but, but first, uh, the question was, what is important to families using voice apps? It was yeah. the question in the survey. And there's there's six things that, that are all high in terms of what people think are is important. So one, 95% of people thought that it is important to, for the application to be from a brand that we recognise and trust. Ninety-four uh, percent of people base their um, the the importance on ratings and reviews, which that's interesting because I wouldn't have thought it'd be as high as that. But we'll, we'll discuss that. Ninety-four percent of people also think that it's important to be to, for it to be easy to understand what it actually does. Eighty-six percent of people uh, is that they they think it's important for it to be top of the list in the skill store. It's the old kind of like uh, Amazon help situation, which is uh, what everyone's after. Seventy-seven percent is recommended by our voice assistant, Amazon recommendations, and seventy-four percent think that a clear and impactful logo is important. So, that, so the two things we'll get your both of your thoughts on it. But and the two things that I thought stood out was miles more people than I thought are pri- think that ratings and reviews is important, and. Nearly three, nearly I'm going to say three thirds, three quarters of people <laughs> think that the the logo itself is important. Yeah. What do you think about that? Justin, what do you think, do you what do you think Dustin? No, no, I'm I'm interested in hearing your thoughts, Rosie. Oh, um, I mean, I was surprised by that. To be honest, I thought a logo seems very. Um, I mean, we we know from you know mobile apps and things like that, logos and branding in general is is important and and can do a lot to kind of communicate things like that. I think um, I was I was surprised by that. I thought things like skill descriptions and ratings would be um, you know re- really important, and they are. So I suppose in the order of things, it makes sense that you know the logo isn't um, isn't quite uh, as up there. Um, I think reviews, to be honest, based on our experience of um, uh, building branded apps. Reviews, re- reviews, reviews are such a big thing we say a lot of the time because it does have a huge impact. Um, not only because it unlocks, um, you know, it impacts the search algorithm when it comes to the skill store. And we know that more and more people are searching the skill store and, and good reviews and good ratings um, encouraging you to be kind of above the fold and be on featured lists and all of that sort of stuff. Um, also on a, a kind of agency basis as well, um, more reviews, more usership um, helps kind of um, 
uh, unlock more support when it comes to the Alexa skills marketing team, things like that. You have to have kind of proven a certain amount um, before that point. But also, you know, we know that reviews are always a powerful motivating factor um, for people looking to try stuff. And although because of lockdown, people are potentially in a bit more of an experimental headspace when it comes to skills, you know, having um, voice uh, voice ratings turned on and being able to see that 16,000 people have used this skill already and rated it five stars. I mean, that's that's huge. Mm. Do you think that, so 95% of people said it's important for the, the application to be from a brand that they recognize and trust. Does that mean then that it is easier from a dis- discoverability and finding out what, what skills are available is always the thing that, that people kind of come back to. So does that mean that it's easier to make an impact if you are already a, a well-known brand and harder therefore? Does that amplify how hard it is for a new company trying to launch applications in these platforms? It makes it harder for them. I think certainly, yeah. In terms of in terms of that kind of um, mental uh, shortcut, knowing the name of the brand, knowing that, um, and all of that kind of brand credibility that comes with a name of a brand is always going to help you. So, um, you know, when we when we ask users about what brands would you be more likely to um, engage with? There was a whole range across a load of sectors. And actually, generally speaking, people um, were pretty um, kind of optimistic and, and willing to engage with a lot. Um, but, you know, ultimately, big name brands came out higher because they are the ones people know. They know what the kind of use case offering is. They know what added value they will add to their lives. So, and we've certainly seen that, you know, we've built kind of voice skills, um, which are kind of quizzes and games before. And the traffic has been pretty good we launched bbc match the day magazine which is a similar use case and everyone's heard of it and the traffic is sky high so i think it is a useful shortcut and it's a good opportunity if you've already done the work and established a brand name um to kind of leverage that in voice so that when people are using your brand name you you know you have an answer for it Um, i think certainly when it comes to smaller brands you know we've, we've seen the importance even with big brands of promotion um, and marketing of that skill I think it does become more important if you're a slightly less well-known brand um, we did quite a lot of work um, recently actually with um, WaterAid global water charity and we launched um, we've just launched a skill for them actually which is sort of battling um, to help people battle anxiety and it's sort of lots of lovely water sounds and mindfulness from around the community uh, around the communities around the world that WaterAid works in and we had a bit of a strategic decision to make there around, do you call it water aid? Which actually, although some people heard of, although it's a massive global charity, they've got a real awareness challenge, or do you call it something a bit more generic, um, which people are just looking for, you know, to to your point, Kay, about the, about the um, skill description and what it does. Do you call it something very clear? This is the use case. And then, so we actually went with that solution in the end. We went for, for when a brand is a big brand, but not necessarily known, we actually recommended they called it something more generic. So it's called the Sound of Water by WaterAid. And that kind of does both. So you're sort of, you're capturing both. But I think if you're a really big brand name, go with the power of the brand because clearly it has a big impact. Yeah, I'm a bit curious about that. So I was looking through and you've got some like Diageo, which is just the bar. And then you've got Unilever, which uh, there's a few in there, but I don't believe any of those are actually using the brand name. Uh, Is that perhaps because Unilever itself isn't much of a brand? Like how do you balance uh, when to use yeah. When to go generic, when to go. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's a good point. I think when it's really, really clear and the power of the brand is recognizable already, um, it's a great one to leverage. With Unilever, actually, um, 
they the skills we've built for them they are actually um sort of master brand level so uh we've done one for Unilever which is uh, uh called all things hair and that is a sort of that's an umbrella brand they have um so that made sense because it sort of works in a category level and also a specific brand uh, same with recipedia actually it's a, a sort of sub brand for nor um but they do a good job, both of those actually, about communicating what the use case is at the same time as being the brand name. But you're right. I mean, uh, that sort of um, generic uh, term squatting almost, that was what the, you know, Diageo deliberately wanted to do that with the bar and kind of own a category level. I think very early on, everyone was talking about that, weren't they? Kind of get out there and, and create a, um, get a keyword, which is generic enough that you can own the whole category. Um, and that certainly does does work. But I think if you've got a really strong brand, um, don't don't waste it. Mm. Open the bar sounds pretty cool as well, doesn't it? Doesn't that? Open the bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool. I'll, I'll read that question from Gavin, and then we'll we'll kind of discuss some of the impact. Uh, we've kind of started to get into a little bit of that in terms of some of the impact on 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 brands entering the space and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> But Gavin's asked, uh, did you ask anything about like productivity in terms of the digital assistance helping people be more productive? So obviously, people are uh, working from home now a lot so the the home is now the office was there anything in there about how the assistants may have been helping them in a work environment or was it largely around the family context oh in the family one or the, the in, in, in any in any of them yeah did it come up in terms of are these assistants helping people at work as well while they're at home if that makes sense yeah that's a really good question actually we didn't ask about um work productivity specifically we asked about organization so i think arguably you know part of that could fall in there um mm. with family with the family report we asked um what how do you kind of see your voice assistants and um one of the big things that came out of that which I'm, we can maybe talk about later is that over 50 percent of people saw their voice assistants as another member of the family which i was just i was like Whoa, a bit wow. creepy but okay <laughs> um uh but then uh, underneath that as well i think 70 more well, seven in ten people said um you know they're important to kind of keep the family organized and everyone on track and mm. you know that process so there was certainly something in the family family report around that kind of more functional organizational um side of things um we didn't ask about work specifically in the in the lockdown but maybe if we do a follow-up i'm going to add that in data privacy work productivity <laughs> nice there we go crowdsourcing questions yeah, is what it's all is about <laughs> so so what are some of the we've, we've started to get into a little bit of what the impact is on on brands and companies wanting to enter in this space so so one is that it's going to help you if you have a recognizable brand already or if you can find a use or or an, uh, an invocation phrase that kind of naturally fits with what the user's trying to do so open the bar perfect example open or play the sound of water perfect example fits in with a natural kind of way that people might genuinely ask for it anyway yeah. um so in that instance, people are, are likely to just find out stuff by just asking. And that's like the dream, isn't it? The, the kind of implicit invocation side of things. You just ask for it and it sorts it out for you and puts you into the right place. For, yeah. those that, for those that don't quite have that, for those that didn't manage to get the bar and those that haven't quite got a, a really, really recognisable brand, but still might have some recognition and, and you know, have, have a decent amount of brand presence, but maybe it's not like Waterade, for example. A lot of people might have, like, have heard of them and they've got a bit of brand equity, but they might not be like a huge global brand. So there were some things in here around um, what prompts families to try voice apps. And within there, there is potential 
advice for brands approaching launching voice applications in terms of how they might be able to get people to use it? So the the, the four kind of categories were uh, 31% saw it on promotional material, 18% saw it printed on a product, which I think is pretty high. Uh, 23% just stumbled across it while speaking to it, maybe the implicit invocations, and 30% found it in the actual skill store. So of all of that, most people are seeing the advertisements or, or, un, or get, gathering understanding about the capability being there through promotional material. Yeah. yeah. Is that, does I that think, tally with what you've done as well with Voxley and things like that? Well, certainly. I mean, more and more, whenever we kick off a project, we will always start talking about the product and the use case and what we want to build. And at exactly the same time, we say you need to start thinking about marketing now um, because it shouldn't ever be an afterthought. Um, even though, you know, things like... Um, you know, clever things like hoping that people will find it, um, you know, via a kind of implicit application and recommendation. That's great. But ultimately, especially with those examples um, came around brands that aren't necessarily that well known, you have to market it. You have to kind of start thinking about that really early on. Although I was quite kind of buoyed by the fact that, you know, essentially 50% of families said, yeah, we've used a, a skill because we've seen it on a physical or digital kind of advertising. That That's good. I think that's, that says that more and more brands are beginning to do that um, and to um, sort of build messaging about their apps into part of their, their always on brands comms. Um, I think there's more to be done on that um, uh, because to be honest, I think although 30% of people are finding it on the skill store compared to, you know, 50% of people finding it by marketing, I, that to me says, I know they're both, you know, they're both important, but I think we brands can be doing more to market. And um, I think what's good is that more and more people are used to call to actions around smart speakers. Now they're becoming a bit more common. You know, if you listen to any, um, kind of BBC Sounds podcast, their call to action is listen on the app or on a smart speaker. You know, that's becoming a lot more, um, a lot more kind of common language around, you know, this is, and I, I think um, there's that IAB report out recently that 30% of UK audio listening is now happening through smart speakers, um, which is massive. Um, so I think there's more to be done in terms of marketing and, and trying to develop that into an always on comm strategy and make sure that that's an important part of the brand touch point um, at all times. Um, I haven't seen as much marketing when it comes to like audio and radio. And I think that's quite an interesting area that uh, often when we will um, launch a, a skill, there'll be some great social activity, some brilliant kind of, you know, um, match the day did lots of kind of double page um, spreads in their magazine, uh, lots of landing pages, digital stuff. But actually we know that audio is, is, you know, one of the key ways of consuming and working with your smart speaker. So I'm looking forward to seeing more brands playing in that space actually is going, we've, we've built a voice app. How can we use audio to actually drive traffic to it? Mm. A lot of people might even be listening to the audio on the smart speaker at the time, basically. So you, you've almost got a, a chance in some areas of like stealing customers or stealing traffic directly there and then from the thing that they're listening to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, you can do really clever targeting and make sure you're only kind of telling Alexa users about a skill so it's much more relevant. I think there's a really interesting kind of media conversation and development to be happening soon around that. And I think it's still seen as quite a traditional channel. So connecting the two is, is, um, is a gap to be, to be bridged, but I think it's getting there. Hmm. Interesting that. I think the Pandora have got that level of targeting, haven't they, where they can specifically target people who are listening on a smart speaker right now. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so most popular voice app categories, we've spoke a lot about entertainment, spoke a lot about kind of games being like areas that have had a lot of growth. But seemingly, and I don't know how maybe you can tell us how this question was phrased, but for, but from what we can look at, it's the most popular categories are services at 35%. Food and drink, then at twenty eight percent, which is shopping, which we've got like tallies with the the other start of people's increase in shopping behaviour, and then media and entertainment, then children's brands, and then retail, and there's there's a few more travel, health and beauty, and charity at thirteen percent, which is interesting, but yeah. and this has always been where where the conversations around voice assistance and things like that is, is where we, we've always said on VOX World where, where the value is yes there's value in entertainment there's always been value in entertainment comedians would never have been able to make a living if that wasn't the case and, and you know all of the TV networks and the Netflixes and all that kind of stuff that's that's uh, well and truly a, a valid use case but the but the services element is where we've always found that that's kind of where the real other opportunities are you know like you know actually shopping and, and transacting and getting stuff done and it's interesting actually to see that the most popular category according to to the people filling in the survey is services and so for for those listening who are thinking about kind of you know exploring these channels it doesn't necessarily always have to be entertainment led does it oh no absolutely not yeah no completely you're right especially with families actually i mean um entertainment was was a massive use case but actually when when you did just we did just ask what brands we had a really really long list you know what brands would you be more likely to um uh, engage with via voice you're right kind of when people are thinking very kind of rationally and logically what would be useful services came out higher so actually one of those was um like nhs and health services mm. so you know in those pinch points where we all have we you know all, all um telecom services or the bank you know you have to sit on the phone for ages you know how great would it be if we could actually use our voice assistants to almost kind of triage and be in on hold for us until that you know booking appointments not having to wait so i think you're right i mean services in general that's always I think that's that's often the motivating factor as well for people, isn't it? To, mm. to kind of use or, or toe dip into voice is I want to listen to Spotify and the news and it would be useful to help me kind of keep stuff organized. We think of functional use cases first. And I think that entertainment thing almost comes later when you're, you're in the world already and you're discovering what's going on and you go, oh, there's actually, there's, there's all this, you know, interesting features or you see a, you know, see an advert or something. But yeah, certainly functional services, um, were, were came out on top in terms of what people want to think about. So, you know, appointment settings, um, you know, I mean, a lot of brands are kind of doing basic sort of FAQs, using them as almost sort of customer service level um, stage one um, before passing over to customer service people, things like that. Um, there are there are definitely lots of use cases there that um, smaller brands can can use voice for. And the, the line also between, in some areas, the line between product and services is decreasing and getting more and more faint anyway like yeah. is netflix a product is it a service is the yeah. films the product is that part of the service like is spotify a product or is that a service like yeah. i think that the 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 whole kind of internet has just kind of really made that area between product and service a, a real kind of gray area so it's not yeah i think there's definitely opportunities so the, the some, some of the brands that i think um people want so this is people wanting to engage and this will lead on to the following question um people who want to engage with these brands on voice so presumably they might not be now Cadbury's interestingly McDonald's Netflix you mentioned the NHS Tesco TripAdvisor is interesting Boots 
Uh, Uber Eats, I think they might have a skill, but I think it's probably just delivery check-in. Uh, Deliveroo, Coca-Cola, Walker's, CBBC, which has already got a pretty active presence, and Lego, which are already doing some stuff. Um, so given that, there's a lot of mix, there's a mixture of brands there. There's retail, there's government, there's healthcare, there's digital service-based stuff, there's entertainment, there's hospitality, travel, entertainment, um, is there, so is there based on the the insights that have come out of this and the demand that people are asking for for service based stuff or for for uh, for these brands in particular are there any specific type of companies uh that are either should be doing something right now that aren't already or companies that maybe have dipped the toe in that might that should be doubling down. Any, any kind of observations on on that? Any any type of companies that haven't quite explored it that, that might find opportunities based on this, or or any that have tried something and should really start doubling down on it? Yeah, I think. I mean, what's interesting is you read the list out. Is that really ties up with that kind of the importance of the power of the big brand, right? Most mm. people, you know, arguably the ones that came up really high were the brands of people that, yeah, I know them, I recognize them, they're relevant to my life and therefore I will engage with them via voice. Um, so I suppose sort of a, a weird point one is, you know, if you're a big brand and you have a big presence across the UK, um, I think what a lot of these surveys are showing is that, you know, your audience is there, it's willing to engage. Um, so worth sort of acting now and thinking about, there are always, there's going to be tons of use cases for big brands like this. Um, what, what about those? Challenges. Sorry, what what about those that might say, how does it kind of apply to me? Like, you know how kind of social media kind of came about and it was like everyone felt like they had a, they'd have a Facebook page. And then the question yeah. was like, well, who wants to talk to the toothpaste? Like, do, yeah. do, you, do you think that there is that there is scope and opportunity for every type of big brand? Well, it's a good question. Yes, I actually, I do think there is. I think we've got voice and voice skills have been around long enough now that we have great examples across the whole customer journey of where voice can work. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the obvious kind of upfront awareness or content marketing. It could be customer service. You know, it could be looking to, um, you know, reduce overheads and customer service and try to triage that. It could be much more awareness and inspiration, you know, kind of doing doing the part that sort of blogs and social media would also do to help out. But I think also a lot of brands um, where voice can really come in is delivering some sort of brand experience in a much more personalized way. So um, if I take, for example, that we talked about the Unilever All Things Hair earlier, um, there's loads of brilliant content on their All Things Hair website around hair, but the voice experience tailors its inspiration and advice to your type of hair, your length of hair, you know, um, what you're worried about. So I think so many big brands have got content there. It's just about if you can use voice to deliver more of a personalized experience. And we know that's always, you know, particularly now that's such a big motivating factor for a lot of brands. Um, even if you maybe can't see an immediate use case, you know, do the workshop, do the work, pick an audience, maybe even go specific. Um, and if you spend some time really thinking about that, I do think there is, there's opportunities in voice for most, most big brands. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good way of, that's a really nice way of, of summarizing it. I think that if I'm, if I was to summarize what we've just spoke about, I think I would say that given the research and the conversation we've just had, it feels to me as though the usage is, the adoption has been rising anyway. That's been rising for the last three years, four years in America. 
the usage has been alongside it, but for a while it's kind of been um, skills were like 30% of users were using them and, and music was yeah. by far and away the most important thing. Seems as though what the kind of lockdown has done is it's encouraged those that use it anyway to use it more and to maybe even explore areas where they might not have explored before, like shopping or maybe the reading with the kid or maybe they're using it to help them keep on top of the to-do list or whatever. And so confidence is then growing and then there's an appetite now for users to engage with brands which might not have necessarily been there before maybe they might have done an interactive story with colgate because it's cool and fun and novel whereas it seems as though now there may be an appetite because they've built enough trust they're invested enough in it it's part of the daily life now it's proven its value and so privacy maybe starts to rescind slightly privacy concerns and so and then what you kind of wrapped up with there is that Really, there isn't an obvious brand that couldn't find an opportunity here and that actually for 9 out of 10, 99 out of 100, there probably is opportunities. Even if it's not an end-to-end customer journey, maybe there's opportunities to add value within the customer journey. Um, and so it, sound, it seems as though lockdown has had a kind of a fairly decent I won't say a decent impact, that sounds really terrible because it obviously hasn't and it's been really bad for lots and lots of people. But in terms of specifically smart speakers and Alexa and Google Assistant, I know voice is bigger than that, but most of this study has been about Alexa. So from Alexa's point of view, it's actually actually been a, a fairly decent time, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. It's a it's a weird phrasing, but yeah, a silver lining, I suppose, for this industry has been the time that we've all had at home. Um, I mean, a lot of people, especially with the coronavirus, so they said like 40%, 40% of people said they'd use it more after they came out of lockdown. And obviously, you've always got to take those sort of findings with a pinch of salt. But I think that that speaks volumes in terms of the time that this has provided for people to kind of dive into the ecosystem a bit more and understand why it's useful and also potentially recognize how far the technology has come perhaps since they started. I mean, you said earlier, can people get into habits, don't they? Mm. They pick their three skills and then that's all they have. And this has given, I think, people the opportunity to discover a few more things, talk with friends and family about what it can do. Um, and, you know, with more users on the platform, more engaged users as well. Um, education's gone up around skills. You know, all of these things, I think, are proving and pointing to a really kind of optimistic future in terms of voice assistant usage and also for brands specifically looking for skills themselves. Cool. Dustin, any, any final thoughts? Anything to add? No, I think, that, I think this is great. I know there's a couple of questions on LinkedIn that we haven't been able to address, but uh, perhaps if people wanted to reach out, ask you those questions or just learn more about what you're doing, where can they go? Yeah, um, well, first of all, just send me a message on LinkedIn if you want to. Um, otherwise, um, we're just at boxydigital.com or you can email freshthinking at boxydigital. That's uh, Ravi and my email address. So we'll get back to you whatever whatever way we can. Cool. Or have a read of the reports themselves because they are actually available on our website on the blog do that um, we'll put the link uh, in the show notes what I'll do is I'll tag you Rosie on the post for the live broadcast on LinkedIn so if anyone does want to ask any follow up questions we put it in the comments and, and maybe we can get around to it there or, or get in touch with Rosie uh, we'll put the links in the show notes on the website and in the comments here for the studies if people want to go and check them out which I would recommend you do especially if you work in the industry uh, we're always looking for you know fresh stats and data and insights that you can use to kind of extract insight from essentially 
And these two reports, honestly, yeah, yeah, I've used them in, I've done probably, I think, three webinars over the last couple of weeks that I've used them in and, and with client meetings and things like that. It's been really, really handy. So, yeah. Thanks well, hopefully there'll be many more to come. We're going to try and keep doing them. Cool. Please do. Please do. Uh, and those of you that are in the industry, uh, do check out Project Voice Catalyst. Uh, might be something for you, Rosie, to maybe check out. So Bradley Metrock and his team at uh, Project Voice, they're running Project Catalyst. So it's for brands that are looking to meet companies that uh, require AI, conversational AI services or vice versa. Uh, and if, if you're looking for talent, if you're looking for, for services, anything like that, then uh, then yeah, check out Project Voice. Email ray at scorepublishing.us. I'll put the links in the show notes as, as we go. Gavin said, thanks, my thought fridge is full. It's a bit of an in-joke in we have going. Has anyone been following uh, Bob Mortimer on Instagram? Oh, he's hilarious. He does these impressions of, of uh, people, you know, the people on the trains that just talk really loudly on the phone. They're really oh, yeah. irritating and annoying. He does impressions of them. And he, he, one of the lines is, I'll put that in the thought fridge and snack on it later. So, so Gavin's thought fridge is full. So, uh, yeah, nice one. Well, thank you all for, for tuning in and thanks for the questions. Apologies we didn't get around to, to all of them, but hopefully we can do in the comments uh, afterwards. Uh, thank you, Rosie, for joining us. This has been absolutely immense, absolutely great insights, fantastic studies and, and you know, love everything that you're doing at Voxley so thanks very much for joining us thank you so much for having me it was really fun guys cool well until next time I think it's going to be the rundown on Thursday next Thursday similar kind of time as now and on Friday we're speaking to Frank Schneider the Fresh Prince of AI from Philly uh, who is making a return to the podcast to give us an update on what Speakeasy AI have been working on in contact centres using conversational IVRs to help organisations save costs and be more productive so until next week thanks for tuning in We'll see you later.